once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts tonight, Philip from the state of New Hampshire in the USA, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you? Oh, it is a beautiful, beautiful day. Okay. <laughs> and, and in the state of New York. <laughs> this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Phil? Uh, you know. Yeah, you know. A little disappointed in your heroes, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll discuss. We'll discuss. But um, first off, Eric, you do another. Well, you do many podcasts, but one you do with your buddy Dan in Michigan. What is that? Uh, it's a general interest podcast called the Ascancity Podcast. That's A S K A N C I T Y. You can find it on Stitcher or the iTunes Store. Very good. And Mike, you do a genre book. Uh, on occasion, yes. That's Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. Also, uh, the three, three of us do another podcast together called Dark Discussions Podcast, which basically discusses genre f- film mostly. And some of the films that we've done recently have been Mad Max, Fury Road, a film called Ex Machina, and we're coming up with a couple of Jurassic Park episodes with Jurassic Park or Jurassic World being released. And we do mostly uh, horror, science fiction, fantasy, thrillers, and so forth. And you can find that at Dark Discussions Podcast, which is our sister podcast. And you know nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, is on the feed for Dark Discussion Podcast, but also has its own feed. can be found on Stitcher and iTunes. And you know nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, Website is darkdiscussions.com, and we also use the forum Dark Discussions Podcast on Facebook, where there has been numerous things, uh, especially today, about last night's episode. And today is the 8th of June, the day after release of, what was the name of that episode, Eric? Oh, of Game of Thrones. It's called A Dance Dance with Dragons. All right, and what, what's the history with that? That's the name of a book or something? It is the name of the last published book in the Song of Ice and Fire series written by George R. R. Martin, on which these uh, TV shows are based. So does anybody have any news or information about Game of Thrones that they wanted to share before we discuss uh, the ninth episode of Season 5? Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Uh, two things. One, I've mentioned the Telltale Games Game of Thrones uh, video game, uh, oh, which yeah. is mm-hmm. a downloadable chapter-based game, much like their Walking Dead game. Uh, they just released the fourth, cha- fourth chapter out of six. So if anyone's been playing the game, make sure you go download the fourth chapter now. And if you haven't been playing the game, they're almost near the end if you're waiting to do the whole thing at once. Uh Pretty good, ending at, a, at an important part. Phil, you had asked me the last time I brought up what was the name. The name of the the heroes or nominal heroes uh, in the series are uh, the Foresters, and the villains are the White Hills. Okay, and do do you know if they are in the books? Those families, I have no idea. Okay, I I don't recall anybody of those names, but like they, I they said, are, my memory is houses. You know, they're bannermen of the Starks, and I think the, of, uh, the White Hills might be for, uh, oh, what do you call it? Um, Boltons. They Seems have sigils that only Podrick would know. What? So they have sigils that only Podrick would know. 
Oh, right, because he knew all the houses. Yes. Yep. Um, so there was that, and then I, I could swear I read something, uh, having trouble finding it, where something like, uh, George Martin has said he's come up with something, a twist for a character, for the books, that they can't do in the TV show because they've already committed to something else with the character in the TV show. Well, and I got news for you. We're, we're headed strongly into non-book territory with the series in general. I'll get into that later. Right. So, um, you know, who knows what this could end up being, whether it has something to do with the parentage of, and I've heard speculation about the parentage, obviously, of Jon Snow, but also about Tyrion, uh, whether it has to do with killing a character off or not killing a character off. There are characters that have died on the show and the books and come back, but that were never killed in the show, that have died in the show and still around the book. So this really is a vague enough question that it leaves everything wide open. It really could be just about anybody except maybe uh, Ned Stark. <laughs> uh, and so who knows what's coming up with, I do hope you know, cause he was the one that signed the contract, right? I do hope he's not changing the story just to change the story, just so that he has people, gives people a reason to read the books. I'm pretty sure most of the people who have been reading the books will continue to read the books, even with the TV show doing what it's doing, because, you know, they don't shut up about how much they enjoy the books. Yeah. Um, the people who are not going to read the books are most likely going to be people, oh, I don't know, maybe like Eric, who <laughs> have done nothing but bitch about how bad the last two books were. In which case, the only reason people are not going to read the next books are going to be because of what he did and has nothing to do with the TV show. Right. And I do want to point out there are a lot of people who've read those Lord of the Rings books even after the movies came out. That is true. And Harry Mike, Potter, James Mike, Bond. Now, Mike, uh, do you know any information of what George R. R. Martin means about this change? Because you mentioned very, were very, your, He's your points. He's talking out of his ass. He's just trying to get people to buy more books. Yeah, it could be. He hasn't well, said what character, but. Given how many characters there are, 17 million. Yeah, and characters who are dead in the oh, show. Oh no, not in the, the books, stable boy. Or never been in the books, or never been in this show. Uh, it could be anybody. I, I know he he did put out um, George R. R. Martin put out a list uh, a couple of weeks ago of the five main characters that. He's disappointed that are not in this TV show, basically, that were in the books that weren't on the TV show. <laughs> and there was an interesting character here that was not listed. So some speculation was that they were red herrings in the books, but also some people are saying, oh, maybe they are going to be brought into the TV series next season or another season because... Why wouldn't he have listed them as uh, disappointing that they're not in the TV show? But it, none of it matters. It's, it's more, again, more talk for selling books. Yeah, I, like I've heard rumors. Uh, I don't think dropping the name is necessarily going to do anything because it doesn't reveal much. But there's a character in the books called Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, um, she's not coming to the TV series. Right, she's not coming. But I've heard people suggest, well, maybe she'll pop up at the end of the series and in the final episode or, or what have you. Uh, I, I'm, my suspicion is a lot of that is just wishful thinking from fans. Well, the, the, these characters, um, that he did not list, which surprised people were the Griffs. So people are saying they were, well, two things. One, 
they must have been red herrings in the book, or two, George R. R. Armada knows that they're coming in the TV show, so he purposely didn't list them on his list of characters he uh, felt um, uh, a bit sad that didn't make the TV show. Mike, you pretty much summed it up. Uh, the Lady Stoneheart and I believe the Griffs are the two main character groups that uh, most folks were, were like shocked that did not make the TV show yet, if they even do. And as you said, Eric, they probably won't, right? Or at least Lady Stoneheart won't. Right. There is one like, more... There's, uh, there's a character sorry, in the sorry. books that basically does what Jorah did in this episode, or is sort of... Like, has that the character in the books who has the grayscale and transported Tyrion that was not Jorah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and I think they just wisely for the TV show just decided to narrow the focus on the characters they already had rather than have to recast, risk getting somebody who sucks or that audiences don't identify with when you can just take a character who fits that role and put them in that role. And in many ways, I think it pays off better for doing it. Uh, but, Mike, you did mention uh, last week that there was a cast thing call for, quote-unquote, major new characters for season six. Isn't that true? So, Yeah, but if you know anything about Lady Stoneheart, that's not a character they would have to cast. Uh, but what about, say, the Griffs, for example, or any various other... Yeah, I don't know who they were. I don't know who... By, like, I don't know most of these characters. Okay, so, yeah, because, you know... Name, I don't know... I know that, because you've mentioned it, a bit. I don't know who Griffs are or exactly what part of the storyline they were supposed to be in. I just know there's a bunch of characters in the books that were there and, and aren't there now and I've lost track as to who was in what because it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, at this point I'm pretty much done comparing the books to the TV series because uh, we've pretty much uh, I mean, there's a couple little threads to tie up yet, but we've pretty much reached the end of the published material uh, and some of it is starting to vary a great deal anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, uh, trying to speculate on what's coming from the books from here on out is useless because, uh, nobody knows, uh, except George R. R. Martin and the showrunners. Yeah. And uh, that's a fair point, Eric, because even for uh, earlier in the, in the series, when they began merging characters and diverging a bit to compare the book or get upset because this change happened, I guess doesn't even really matter anymore, specifically as you stated, because it's now become its own distinct uh, media entity. entity. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so. Uh, there is one more uh, Game of Thrones related thing I wanted to talk about, uh, which is that uh, Dark Discussions listener and my childhood friend Kevin Letts uh, shared a link uh, and tagged the three of us in it. Uh, there was a skit from. Uh, late night show with uh Seth Myers uh and it was about him taking Jon Snow to a dinner party um and I actually I made the mistake of uh I, I watched this while I was eating my dinner and at one point he said something that made me laugh so hard I actually did a spit take I spit my water back into my glass uh it was very very funny uh I posted it on the dark discussions group so if you haven't watched it yet you should go check that out I have not, uh, because um, as we discussed offline, I was very busy over the weekend, but I will check it out. It's and, pretty hilarious. And Mike, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. It's uh, it's good. And I also want to mention, I don't think we mentioned it last week, did we? Was the uh, musical? I don't think we did mention it. No, it was something, it was some British charity called, 
like Red Nose Day, something like that. Oh, right. And basically Coldplay and large numbers of the cast of Game of Thrones uh, did a almost 10 minute skit on the staging of a Game of Thrones musical with many of the original cast performing rather horrible musical numbers. <laughs> Uh, such as the Rastafarian Targaryen. <laughs> uh, you know, and, then, and at the beginning there's like this happy little ditty that they're conjuring up, and of course that ends up being the song they use for the Red Wedding. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's fun. Just little, little moments like when, uh, the actor who plays, uh, Theon runs into the actor who plays Ramsey. <laughs> So I recommend catching that as well. It's pretty easy to find. Just type in Coldplay Game of Thrones. You're not going to miss it. Oh, yeah. And I definitely have to see this now, especially since uh, I, did, I did not know uh, the real actors uh, participated. So that's that's great. I would like to see what they, how they act uh, in a musical, especially Ramsey. That's, that's great. Any, any further things uh, that are Game of Thrones related that anybody wanted to mention? Uh, not outside of the episode we're about to discuss. Let's do that. Let's uh, start getting into that episode. It was directed by uh, David Nutter, basically a t- television uh, director who is probably most famous for directing um, The Reigns of Caster Mayor. So uh, he's done about four or five other episodes of Game of Thrones. Now the episode was written by and I think I'll get it right this time, Eric. Um, David Benioff. There you go. Yes, yes. And D.B. Weiss. And as you said, Eric, the episode's called The Dance of Dragons. It is the ninth episode of the season. So, uh, Mike, what's the name? Of, what's, what do they call that? The episode before the last episode? Uh, the penultimate there you go, penultimate. So that's a useful uh, word. You need to use that word as much as you can, appropriately. Yes, it's a, it is a good. Well, word. You, have the, you have the ultimate, which is preceded by the penultimate, which is preceded by the anti-penultimate. <laughs> is it an actual thing, or did you just make that up? No, those, those are real things. Okay, I know I about penultimate. Know I did not know about anti-penultimate. Yeah, I don't know what you get before that one. Sub-ultimate or. Pre-anti-penalty? I don't know. <laughs> Unimportant. There you go. <laughs> In the middle. It'll be one of those questions for Trivial Pursuit. There you go. Um, so, yeah. yeah uh, it was about a 60-minute episode, I think. Uh, as we all know, uh, the ninth episode, in theory, at least the last four seasons, has been a big, epic episode. Uh, this one was, I guess, similar to that, specifically because of the second half. Well, and I also think last season they started to set up like they couldn't put all their chips on one episode. Uh, so, like, last year they kind of split it between episode 8 and 9, and I think they did the same thing here. All right. Well, actually, actually, I would even go as further and say they did it similar to uh, last season through, for 8, 9, and 10 because of the right. the Taiwan uh, piece. Right. Um, I'll go with 6, 8, 9, and 10 because 6 <laughs> was the trial of Tyrion Lannister. Okay, yeah. You know, and yeah, there is only so much. But, yeah, that one, even out of all of those, uh, 
I would even go uh, episode three, six, nine, <laughs> because of the purple wedding. Right. But I think even out of all of those, the biggest episode of the season was clearly, in terms of logistics, budget, and everything else, was episode nine. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, However, as a viewer, I think episode eight last season had a bigger impact on me. Yeah, I would agree with you, Eric. Uh, I have revisited episode nine of last year, which was the, the big battle at the wall, and uh, it has grown on me uh, as one of the better episodes. Uh, yeah, though, maybe I should yeah. watch it again. Yeah, yeah, because I originally was disappointed with it, but having rewatched it a number of times now, it's it's really good, especially with the you know the giants and uh, right and and the. The crows in the what is the tunnel? You know, there's a, there's a number of good scenes in it, but but either way, you're right. Uh, number eight was probably the most shocking, I would guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's a matter of scale. You know, the battle on the wall is kick-ass and impressive, and there are character moments throughout that story. But you compare that to you know, that sort of intimate battle in the story with uh, with Oberon and him getting his head popped like a zit. <laughs> uh, which, which, by the way, wasn't just, oh, here's this character we really like, oh, he just died. It also means, oh, shit, Tyrion's now going to be sentenced to death. Yeah. You know, so it has that impact backing it up. You know, killing off our favorite character. So... <laughs> That has a more emotional impact, where the other is just more spectacle. And, Mike, you know, I would like to interject because you said our favorite character. That that is an opinion, wouldn't you say? <laughs> no, it's an opinion. It's not in that it's when I say our favorite opinion, I'm talking, you know, I'm you know, uh, from the perspective of the viewers in general. And I think it's hard to deny that Tyrion is the most popular character in the show. Well, I'll, I'll take your word for it, even though I don't think we have any scientific proof. Or studies that have says this. <laughs> when the hell did we start requiring scientific studies on what we talk about? I guess not. I'm just busting Mike. <laughs> uh, so continue, Mike. I'm sorry for that. No, that uh, was it. It's just again, it's it's a matter of emotion. Like for example, there are there are uh, there is uh, something that happens in tonight's episode that is very emotionally impactful. And I think more so than a lot of stuff that's happened uh, this season, even though it's not a big moment dramatically and there's no giant special effects um, or boobies. Yeah, no, and, but damn, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, but to be honest, you know, I mean, uh, to just get that mo- depressing moment off my mind, I had to go rewatch episode six. <laughs> It's horrible. Because <laughs> I, I think it's worse than Phil, episode six. Phil, I can't believe you just made a joke about that. I'm so proud of you. Uh, well, you know, after feeling so dirty and depressed after last night, I, I had to watch something that wasn't as drastic. Okay. Something that wasn't as disturbing. I don't know. <laughs> oh... Shoot. Alright. Well, so we get into it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know which order we're gonna do because we 
if we're just going to go roughly in the order of the series the the show did or well we're going to we're going to start with the opening scene which is that we're at Stannis's camp and Melisandre senses something is awry because she's a witch uh and it's Ramsey well it's heavily implied we don't actually see it happen it's heavily implied that Ramsey Bolton and his 20 men that he requested from his father last episode have uh, busted into the middle of Stannis' camp in the night and set fire to their supply tents. I I was actually confused because they have that scene and then like 20, 15 seconds later it's the morning and th- there doesn't look like there's any damage and I thought maybe this was like one of her visions because they show fire and she's looking into the fire of, of some of the tents. And so I thought, oh, this is cool. They're going to actually now do the perspective of Melisandre. And then I find out, no, it wasn't a dream. It actually happened and mm-hmm. and stuff. So, uh, and I'm glad they didn't just go off somewhere else because I would have been confused because I didn't think the transition uh, was that good without them actually saying our tents got burnt down. This is not good. Right. Mm-hmm. That's basically the payoff of what Ramsey, you know, how we were all like, oh, I wonder what Ramsey's going to do. Is he going to die in battle, whatever, whatever. They, and they didn't make us wait very long. No, no, they did not. No, and there was no sex crime either. That that kind of surprised me. Well, they did say something about horses. Okay, you know, that's true. I'll, uh, I'll have to go back and fill that in with my imagination <laughs> later. <laughs> I wouldn't put anything past Ramsey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, that well, that was an interesting way to get him into the episode because otherwise we never saw him in the episode. Uh, well, well of, we didn't see him actually in this episode. We just had events happen that theoretically were caused by him. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, Ramsey's little gorilla attack. Um, and as you said, Eric, it was applied. It was him, and we don't really see how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, they, they Ram, not Ramsey, yeah, Stannis may thinks somewhat that that maybe it could have been an inside job, or it could have just been people being stupid because he he, arrests, he orders the guards executed. Yeah, yeah, because they were obviously fell asleep or or uh, yeah, whatever. So. Um, so this is not looking good for Stannis. Nope. Uh, and then we cut to, I'm just going to put this in here real quick because it's pretty much what they did in the show. We just get this really short scene up the wall where it's Jon Snow and all the, uh, wilding refugees from the white attack last week show up the wall and they get let in and, uh, what's his face? Uh, cranky ranger guy. Alice Stefan. Yes, uh, says to Jon Snow, you have a good heart, Jon Snow. It'll get us all killed. And then that's pretty much all we get from the wall this episode. Well, the only other, It was really kind of weird. The only other two things was Sam saying, oh, you did good. Don't worry, Jon. And then Ollie looking at, uh, you know, at between. <laughs> Ollie furrowed his brow. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, his eyes stood red. His nostrils flared. <laughs> now what, let's let's talk about this uh, Alistair Thorne comment because um, I don't really care what he means in the sense that it, you know if he's going to be portraying John or not. I mean that may happen, but that's not what I'm interested in at the moment. What I'm interested in and is the meaning behind it, the, the literal meaning. And he's right. 
Because if we remember, a hundred or two hundred wildlings led by Giants Bane came from the south part of the wall where they don't have protection and almost killed the whole Night's Watch. So now they have five. What's happening is Jon Snow is bringing 5,000 wildlings who technically only a week earlier were their, were like their enemies, dreaded enemies that would kill on sight. And he's letting them go to the south side of the wall where they don't have any protection. So Alice is thawing, even if he's being negative in a sense, he's actually based off of his thinking, his perspective is right. Well, I, I, I see, I see what you're saying. Uh, and I understand that perspective and I understand why these stubborn people up the wall would think that way. Um, however, I am pretty certain at this point, having experienced what they experienced up at Hardhome, that the wildlings that are accompanying Jon Snow are going to be perfectly willing to join forces with the Night's Watch. Or run away. Well, <laughs> there's that, too. You got a point there, Mike. Because I'd be like, fuck you, I'm going to Dorne. But I don't think attacking I the Night's Watch... I don't think the, uh, I don't think the attacking the Night's Watch is on their, first on their priority list at this point. I would agree with you, Eric, because us being the audience or the viewer know how what, what happened in Hard Home, and we know how most of the wildlings, at least the five thousand that that decided to go, uh, are thinking, and they're more apt to simply want to get on the other side of the wall and either, as uh, Mike said, uh, fight with the crows or run away, mm-hmm. and aren't there to kill anybody however i guess you could say that i was just saying in the perspective of of the the crows that that no and, and, I, and i get that and then it's it's a valid it's a valid point um it's just uh yeah uh, <laughs> if you were to stop and talk with the wildlings like any of the five thousand wildlings walking past him and be like hey what's on your mind They'd be like, holy shit, dude. Guy with blue eyes raises everything from the dead. Run for your fucking life. That's true. That's true. And, and, and that's the thing though with the show is again, as us, the viewers, we know and we, we know how they're going to be, but we also know how they've been setting up this season. So there's been numerous things that people predicted, uh, some correct, some wrong. And, uh, two of them occur in this, this episode, which includes, uh, Stannis' daughter and, um, Danny's fiance. And one happened like the Chekhov's gun predicted while one actually was a red herring. So the question here now I'm having for you guys is it's pretty obvious, at least in my eye. And I pretty think, pretty much think everybody who's listening to this podcast has viewed the show probably th- thinks this too. Whether it's a red herring or a Chekhov's gun, Alisathon and Ollie and maybe a handful of other folks may rebel against Jon Snow because of this incident specifically, and not necessarily because they hate Jon Snow. Because even though Alisathon hates Jon Snow, he may be do- he may do it just for the fact that he thinks Jon Snow is a traitor. I'm going to refrain from comment due to book knowledge. Okay. Mike, what's your opinion? Do you think it's a Chekhov's gun and, and that's true? Or do you think it's a red herring and Alice Thon and Ollie and the rest of them wouldn't rebel against Jon Snow? Well, he's saying this for one of two reasons, 
re- scratch that. The writers are making him say this for one of two reasons because it's been uttered before. One is to remind viewers that they can be betrayed by the wildlings and the wildlings are their enemies and they shouldn't be trusted because the writers plan for them to eventually betray them. That's one. Or two, because the Night's Watch will betray him because they're afraid the wildlings will betray him. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah, and but I mean they're being said for a reason. Sort of like how they kept you know talking about grayscale for three episodes before Jorah got grayscale. Right, right. And again, there's been a few red herrings. Uh, one um, is the fiance of Daenerys, and then the other one that I there was another one actually I forgot about too that's in this episode, which is the the locket in the snake little machine thing that Cersei's does and maybe she wasn't lying after all, but we'll, we'll discuss that when we uh, get to the dawn episode part of this episode. But uh, um, now if, if Alistair Thorne and his folks decide to uh, oust John, are they scumbags or are they legitimately right to do so? Or is it there somewhere gray in the middle? What would you guys say? Uh, it depends on how they go about it. Yeah, if they just say, "Hey, John, we don't want you here anymore. Go to Winterfell." Okay, well, whatever. Uh, if they're like, "Hey, John, stab, stab, stab," I think that might be a little bit uncalled for. Hey, Mike, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I think it's possible for them to be both. I think they have legitimate reason to not like the wildlings. But again, you know, we talked about this before. It's a matter of. Eventually, you have to break a cycle of, of violence and give up on old hatreds. You know, why? Um, well, just to move on, or somebody is going to keep killing you. But um, these are also not the most forward-thinking individuals in the realm. These are largely rapists, murderers, and thieves. True. You know, and like there Australia. are a handful of people who are there for duty. There's a bunch it's who are there so they didn't get executed or castrated. Yeah, all right, that's fair. That's fair, and uh, we'll pretend we didn't hear that Australian comment. Um, I'm right. (laughs) What was your comment? There are a bunch of rapists, murderers, and thieves, and I said, kind of like Australia. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, any hate mail, please send it to Eric and Mike. Um, So, my statement is based on historical fact. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Let's move on. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it uh, about that. it, It was really basically just a setup, I think, for next week, I would gather, because, I mean, it was odd, because they didn't even talk about the whites. And, no, and that's what I was saying. It was just like a two-minute scene at the wall, and they're gone for the rest of the episode. It was like, uh, okay, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, I think it was just to, to, after last week, it was just to say, don't worry, everybody made it home. Wahaha. Right. Including yeah. one one. Safe. Yeah. Wah-ha-ha. They, they, they should have had a, a, a scene where John sits down and says, what what happened? And, you know, you may have a couple of people come out and say, that's bullshit or whatever. But then he can say, we have a giant here. If we, you know, and just um, two weeks ago, we didn't even know giants existed and, you know, and things like that. And so see if, if people would begin to believe him or not. But now I'm wondering if the, the setup, which really there was no setup for whatever's going to happen next week. Um, will pay off because of that because they don't have a scene uh, where Jon Snow and 
the Night's Watch are debating, you know, what do we do, what's happening, and so forth. But I don't know. That's just my Again, opinion. I'm sitting here not commenting. Uh, what about you, Mike? Do you do you think that the setup, what, there really isn't a setup? Because, I mean, how if they have a big scene like that in next episode, and then they have a payoff scene at the end of the episode, would that well, be Well, this has been time? coming to a head, I think, all season. Well, that's fair. That's a good point. With, with, with Alistair Thorne not being happy about being beaten out in the election <laughs> by one vote. With, you know, actually you go back to the season, but, you know, was it last season? When Jon Snow returns and he gets questioned about his loyalties because he, he broke his vows to stop the redhead. Right. You know, it's, this has all been sort of simmering underneath and it's, it's now about to come to a, a full head. And this is the problem of somebody like John who's, who's, you know, sort of a visionary. You know, he's willing to break the mold and try something completely different is that there's a lot of people who are comfortable living within the mold. He's Steve Jobs and he's about to get kicked out of Apple. Right. Well, you know what? This is, this is, um, you know, sort of like what Danny was saying last week. She wants to break the wheel. This is John's attempt to break the wheel. Mm-hmm. He's trying to stop the cir- the cycle of violence that's, uh, you know, that's killed so many of the Rangers and killed so many of the wildlings. And, you know, I just think back to what the dead woman said, right? When she said, oh, man, my ancestors wouldn't like it either, but fuck them, they're dead. <laughs> right. You know, and that's kind of what John's saying is we, you got to let the dead be dead and worry about what's best for the living. And what's best for the living it's is living. not getting our asses frozen off by the Night King or whatever his name is. And getting them, but having people open their mind and see things from a a new perspective, you know, isn't going to be easy. Right. Yep, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, the cycle of violence, century after century after century, and yeah, this is his way to break that wheel and bring basically two folks or two groups of people that have been fighting for years to an end. And so he could be a hero or he could be a folly. And that's what we're going to find out probably in the next episode, I would think. Or, well, or well, he, had, he, he was gambling two things. One, he was gambling on the wildlings accepting the offer and not betraying him and then gambling on the Night's Watch not betraying him for making the offer as well. Right. Right. Well, and, and I think he judged the first part correctly, especially since uh, the, the uh, White Walkers decided to show up before they all got in the boats. Uh, yeah, but we'll see about the second part. A whole bunch of wildlings on the boat going, you know, as soon as we get to the wall, fuck them, stab them in the back. <laughs> and then they said, uh, no, 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 I'm good. All right. So, uh, any, any further things on, um, Jon Snow or will we just wait for next week and see? Well, he but, knows nothing. That this is going to how I, like I said, I think Eric was right. We're, we're, we're no, we're beyond being able to confine the big stuff to one episode. And I think that's going to be the, the, the culmination, that'll be the big story for next episode. At least one of them, because you, you can figure that Danny and what happens with her and Stannis and what happens with him in this episode are going to come Stannis will be another big one. There's going to be a lot of shit up north next week. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure pretty sure Jon Snow is going to be the big the big one. Right. All right, so uh, let's, let's move on then. Let's uh, move on and talk about uh, oysters, clams, and cockles. Oysters, clams, and cockles. 
<laughs> and and th- this was a another storyline that old. was this was another storyline that was set up uh, with a Chekhov's gun, like it seems ev- almost every story has in this season. And it is, yeah, it, it's what you said, Mike. Someone appears that is looking for someone that's not too old. <laughs> too old, uh huh? Yeah. Uh, so basically, Lana, or as Arya as we know her, uh, is selling her oysters, clams, and cockles. Uh, she's gotten her mission from uh, Jacques and Hagar to assassinate the Thin Man, as they call him, with poison, I'm assuming. Uh, Eric, uh, by, the, by the way, uh, a, a man may be thin because he doesn't eat. It may be. He may. That's possible. I'm sorry, she doesn't look that thin to me. I, yeah, that's, I, I didn't call him the thin man. They called him the thin man. Um, I'm, I'm, he's thin compared to I'm me, but that ain't saying much. Um, <laughs> I'm criticizing the casting director. Anyway. Um, so, uh, she gets distracted, uh, before she can assassinate the thin man, uh, by the rival of, uh, Marin Trent, uh, and the band of people that he is with. Um, let's, uh, not forget. I actually, I had to look it up. I remember he did something to make her mad. I couldn't remember exactly what, uh, I had to look it up. She, this is the dude that killed her, uh, water dancing master. Uh, what was his name again? Sirio Forel. Sirio Forel. That's right. Uh, so yeah, he, he was brave. Miran Trant was brave enough to defeat another man with a wooden sword. Um, <laughs> what a stud. Uh, so, uh, she gets totally distracted from her assassination mission and instead just starts tailing Miran Trant, uh, and follows him to a brothel, uh, where actually it turns out she does some pretty good business selling oysters. Uh, <laughs> lambs and cockles. <laughs> uh, but then she sees, uh, Miran Trant, uh, choosing his prostitute and he's just, she's on saying, too old. Uh, too old. And finally they bring in an underage uh, girl and he's like, that'll do it. Have a fresh one ready for me tomorrow. Cause and I'm going to damage this you one. you know how underage you have to get to be underage in, in, in the Game of Thrones universe? <laughs> right? So, Baron Trant is uh, admittedly a, uh, a scumbag. Um, and I'm sure nobody would mind uh, seeing Arya take her revenge on him, but... That means she's totally going against her training at the House of Black and White because she's supposed to have a new identity. She's not supposed to be Arya anymore. She's not supposed to have any Arya's revenge fantasies anymore. Uh, that's not supposed to be her identity anymore. Uh, so she goes back to the House of Black and White and totally lies to Jacques and Hagar about what she was doing uh, and why she didn't kill the Thin Man. And that's where we leave that. And uh, the Thin Man didn't want to buy any clams, oysters, and cockles. <laughs> and and as uh, and then the, the line, a man may be thin because he's not hungry. Yes. Yes, and that's where that came from. But um, there's two things. One, the reason this this guy's in uh, Bravo, is it Bravos? Yeah, this is Bravos, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the re- reason there is, is because he's protecting Mace Tyrell. He's basically the bodyguard of Mace Tyrell to, right. there to try to get money from the... Begging forgiveness from the Iron Bank, who is now called in the Lannister's debt. That's right. And the other thing is, is this whole scene with the uh, too old is really just 
a scene to make us hate this guy even more because I mean they could have just not even had that scene and, and well have- no you know what though I'm glad they did though because uh, like I, like I said I'd forgotten why he was he was on the list uh, and they reinforce with no doubt that this dude's scummy right well yeah, I don't but I don't know I think it was overdone yeah. I don't think they needed it. And when you show the scene to the rest of the show, which is so fucking subtle. Well, I know, but it's, it's we, we know this guy hates hates uh, hates children. We know he's a cunt from when we've seen him before. But just in case you weren't sure, let's make him a pedophile too. But it is funny when you watch and just see like the guys he's with, kind of looking over, is like uh, still too young, what still too old? What the what right. the fuck? Right. Um, and you know the look on the you know the, uh, the what do you call face. the madam's face? Yes. Uh, it says, uh, okay, how far down do we have to go? Actually, and, you know what? The uh, actress who played the madam was really good because you can tell by the end of this process she hates this guy and she's like gritting her teeth while she talks to him and she knows better than to sass off to him because she knows there will be consequences uh but she's really 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 not happy about what's happening now not knowing how she's going to kill Marin trent and i'm i'm guessing she's going to although this is game of thrones so who knows um She's kind of young herself. Yep, that's what I'm Who, Arya? Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. really that's the reason why it's there, not just so that we know he's a dick, but to give her an easy opportunity to get him in a vulnerable position and get him Greyjoyed. Oh, now, 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 okay. But, but if I that's, see where you're going with that. But if that's the case, Mike, uh, well, there's, there's a scene while he's doing this, and he, he turns away to woman that no one that is sane would turn away because he wants someone young. But what it is, is Arya's character pops up um, to, and he sees her and he's looking at her as if he identifies her, or at least that's what it appears. But now, Mike, you're making a good point, which is maybe that he wasn't looking at her because he knew that it was Arya or thought it looked like Arya. Right. But it was because he thought it was a perfect match for what he wants. Right. It wasn't a case of recognizing her identity. It was a case of boing. Well, remember the whole scene starts out with the two creepy guys look walking up to Ari and going, "How much for a piece of your clam?" <laughs> That's right. That did happen. That because was pretty vulgar. Honest, guys are dicks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was horrible. That did happen. Horrible, but apparently quite humorous. Uh huh. <laughs> I kind of missed that, and I think I'm kind of glad. <laughs> oh, that, that that was a line that was delivered, Phil. Oh, right. Yeah, so that's kind of creepy. Um, so again, this one we pretty much know what's going to happen. I mean, it doesn't matter, I guess, how because we know it's going to happen. So I mean, it, I guess it matters how it happens because we know it's going to happen. So well, the, the important part of this story arc is how is it going to affect Arya's relationship with Jacques and Agar? Uh, because he will not be pleased if he gets wind of this. Well, and we don't know when he, she comes back to him and says, Oh, he wasn't hungry today. Now they've been playing the game of faces, right? The, the line. I'm pretty sure he would have whacked her with a stick if he thought she was lying. Cause that seems to be his deal. 
Well, I some, don't know. Some, some people are th- thinking that he knows she's lying, and he's purposely not letting on that he knows. Eh, could be. A man knows a girl lies, which... <laughs> I find those conversations highly annoying myself, but <laughs> yeah, it's like the Yoda talk of, of Game of Thrones. Well, it's kind of <laughs> like right. Bob Dole when he was running for president. You know, <laughs> yeah. Bob Dole will, will lower your taxes. Bob Dole will not do this. Bob Dole wants to eat your oysters. <laughs> too old, too old. <laughs> do you have anything prenatal by any chance? Oh. Uh. But but wasn't that Line guy crossed? Wasn't that guy completely insane? Those girls were hot, and he turns them away because he's a pervert. <laughs> I mean, what the hell is wrong with that's that? Why, that's why perverts are perverts, Phil. Yeah, that's a they good. have their tastes. They have their tastes, and it and it could be you know sometimes you turn down the the good offer because you know there's something that they're sitting on that's even better. All right, I wonder if Lloyd Billish uh, provided uh, these things. For him. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, he mentions in the first step, uh, season that he provides corpses for someone who is a... Uh, oh, that's right. He does. does uh, yeah, uh, thanks for reminding me. For, and, and not just corpses, but fresh corpses. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so it's better when they're cold. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So uh, that's pretty much that storyline. And it's basically, I agree with you, Eric. It's really the main point isn't her getting revenge on... Someone that killed the water dance guy, but it's really her storyline with Shakar and whether or not she's going to get caught or not. Right. Um, all right, so let's do Dawn, and then we'll get into the two big storylines after this. Uh, okay. Uh, Dawn, uh, <laughs> we get the scene at court. Um, and Jamie walks in. <laughs> I, I kind of find this funny because the first thing he does is he, he makes a comment about Marcella's dress and how she must be cold. Uh, so I think it's just kind of amusing that, uh, Mr. Uh, three incestuous children is, uh, upset about the way she's dressed. <laughs> well, he's, he's being like dad, you know? I mean, right. I mean, right. You know, cover up a little, honey. You don't want to go out. To, you know, there's a lot of weirdos out there. <laughs> he may have slept with his sister, but you never saw her dress like that. <laughs> That's right. He, he may have thrown Braun out the window or Bran out the window or whatever, but you know how it is. Uh, so basically this scene is them talking and making peace. Uh, and basically Jamie tells him the reason he's there is because there was an implied threat against Marcella's life. Uh, pretty blatantly indicating people in Dorne. Uh, and so they talk it out and everybody's forgiven and he even arranges for them to release Bron from prison, uh, with one condition, <laughs> which is that they have the guard totally slam him in the face with his elbow. Yes. As a, as a, basically as the prince's, I don't know, uh, Punishment. Tit, tit for tat, right? Yes, he yes, yes. Punched in the head and himself from Braun, so let's punch Braun in the head. Right. Um, and they're still going back to his tits again. <laughs> now, now, um, before we, we talk about the Sand Snakes and the leader of the Sand Snakes, whatever her name is, Auburn's well, concubine, uh-huh. um, the, the one scene that was interesting is the necklace that got Jamie to go down there in the first place, which is the threat that you were implying, Eric, mm-hmm. a lot of folks were believing that Cersei's made it up. And uh-huh. 
And based off of this scene, it appears that she wasn't lying after all. She right. Did. Marcella says, oh, my gosh, that disappeared off my nightstand one night. Now, do you think this was intentionally a red herring the entire season or it's just uh, bad? I wouldn't even call it bad script writing, but it just happened that they were. It, How is that a red herring if the thing that happened actually happened? Well, it, a lot of folks thought it was it was a setup by Cersei's. And so I'm th- I thought it was a. Well, and I guess it still could be. She could have sent somebody to Dorne to take it and do that, but I don't know if that's the case. Oh, that's interesting, too, yeah. Um, there's, there's the, the dude knows what that crazy bitch will do. Well, that's fair. So, so it could have just been Jamie knows. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh huh. But what, what did you think, Mike? Did you think it was Cersei's the whole time? I didn't, I don't think I ever heard the Cersei theory. I, uh, Okay. I just assumed it was genuine because I don't assume Cersei's competent enough to uh, go steal her her sister's. Not well, sisters, and to be fair, I just made that necklace. theory up thirty seconds ago. I, that was just off the top of my head. Yeah. So I don't know. I I, I don't know why Cersei would even want to get that whole situation. Well, she wanted to get her daughter back. I guess was the main thing. So I guess I could see her doing it. But we also know that her life was actually in jeopardy. So since there really was a threat. I didn't question that somebody would have to fake a threat when there was a real one that we knew was there. Right. Well, did you guys ever hear the theory, too, that maybe she did it not just uh, because she was worried about her daughter and just wanted her to get back and this was the way to get Jamie to go, but it was also a way to get Jamie out of the city so she could do her little rebellion against... Um, oh, Absolutely. Everybody. So you did hear that. So do you think, so now that makes it the question, if that's the case, do you think she did have someone go and get the break locket or whatever? I, I, I don't know about that, but she definitely manipulated. I mean, she could have sent any number of people oh, uh, I see. Yeah, with, with two hands to go deal with the situation. Uh, she definitely manipulated Jamie to go, uh, because he probably would have interfered with her fan, her plans to, uh, decimate the small council and put crazy kooky religious people in charge yeah so you're, you're right that's a good one too Eric. yeah so it could have been a, a true threat but it was also a way to get rid of her brother as well because like you said she could have had other you know knights watch or whoever mm-hmm. people go uh, knights guards go so yeah mm-hmm. all right um all right so let's talk about the sand snakes and their leader and then just wrap up the dawn storyline. Well, basically, the uh, the arrangement that's come to is that uh, they're going to let them go back to King's Landing with Marcella, and uh, what's the what's the prince's name? Tyrene? Ty? What? Uh, yeah, the dude that, she's engaged to. Yeah, yeah, the, the son of of the dawn. Yes, prince king or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, the arrangement is that uh, he will get a seat on the small council. Yep. Um, yeah, and then, uh, the, whatever, what's the woman's name that is the leader of the Sand Snakes? I forget her name. I think it's Obara? Okay, so. I want to say? Alright, well, let's go with that name. So, Obara, uh, didn't want to make peace, and she basically embarrasses herself as well as the leader of the Dawn Kingdom in front of Jamie, and so she gets arrested, 
and then she is pardoned as long as she stops being a jackass, basically. Right. And, and so she gets pardoned, and then she goes to Jamie, and there's an interesting scene where she basically says, I know this is your daughter, because in our land, we have sex and marry siblings all the time. And this is, oh, big, yeah. yeah, that was, that was an interesting approach. She's just like, yeah, so you're banging your sister. It's no big deal. We do it here all the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what happens in Dorn stays in Dorn. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that was, that was a weird little moment, but I thought it was done well. Yeah. So the question now I'm thinking is next week, well, the Sand Snakes, Still try to kill Jamie and Marcella. I think that's her name. I'm sorry, Alaria Sand is her name. Uh, Alaria, okay. So, will Alaria have, or, or the Sand Snakes on their own, for that matter, um, go off and try to kill Jamie and Brian and the rest of them as they're heading back to uh, King's Landing or not? And that's one idea that could happen in next episode, uh, because I don't see where else it would go, unless... They're just going to ride out to dawn until next season. Um, well, and I don't know. She seemed uh, at the end of the episode. She seemed uh, genuinely concerned with the wrath of the prince. Um. So, but who knows? Maybe he successfully called her off. I think that's a possibility. Right. Right. And, and then, yeah, maybe maybe the sand snakes won't do anything, and then maybe Jamie at the end of. Episode ten will walk into King's Landing and see the mess and see what he can do to fix it. I don't know. Who knows? We'll find out. Yeah. And my whole problem with this whole storyline with the Sand Snakes is that is nobody no cares. <laughs> what? I said the whole problem is that nobody cares. But, I, but they don't even have a reason for vengeance, right? Their their father was a dumbass. <laughs> and he was too. He was. He volunteer volunteered to go up against arguably the most dangerous man in the kingdom. Right. Won. And then and lost. Had to spend time dancing in the damn end zone before he spiked the ball. My name is Nico Matoya. You killed my father, prepared to die. Ah my head <laughs> Nico Montoya knew what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> Well, well, and another thing is, is yeah, the and he whole was fighting Christopher Guest. The the whole motivation of uh, Oberyn's concubine there. What's her name again? Erica, I keep on forgetting. Her. Who? That the the leader of the Sand Snakes. What are, what's her name again? Oh, I don't know. I just looked it up. I've forgotten already. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ilaria. Ilaria. Her whole motivation is so stupid because she knows that Oberyn volunteered and lost fairly. Even though, but you know what? I that's what their motivation. They should they should have changed the motivation to be we still want revenge for what the Lannisters did to our sister, which was the Mad King's daughter in law. Mm-hmm. And they instead have this stupid fight that Auburn had his head smashed in, like you said, Mike, where he, it was his own stupidity. So the, I don't know the whole Sand Snake thing and the vengeance they wanted. It just makes no sense. Well, and I don't necessarily have a problem with them being too stupid to realize that because there really are people that are that stupid. You know, people, people, there are people who don't realize that, you know, it's a problem of their own making, like Cersei. (laughs) 
you know, and are just too blind to see it. So I don't have right. an issue with that, but you can't really get on board with them wanting revenge because they're idiots. And, right. and then we had to sit through the whole freaking <laughs> slapping game nonsense. What the fuck was that? I don't know. That was stupid is what that was. Uh, well, I, if, if, are we supposed to give a shit about these characters at some point? I mean... Uh, I don't. And... Phil does, but only because boobs. But they had them on, right? They're all. They, I mean, the boobs were on. They're always on. They're kind of packaged. <laughs> They're not detachable. But they had. They had. You know, they had them covered. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, well. Either way, that's Dawn. Um, I don't know. Any further thoughts on Dawn? I actually like this as a development because it was looking <laughs> it to me. They're going back to King's Landing. Yes, they're going back to King's Landing, but it also looked to me like the the Lannister family was just thoroughly fucked. I right? still think had... they're thoroughly fucked. Well, yeah, but here you now at least get some support coming for Tommen. You've got um, Doran supporting Tommen. Yeah. And and putting in a new council in place, so once Cersei has been thoroughly marginalized or killed or whatever happens to her. Right. You know, there will at least be a support system around Tommen that doesn't seem like it will completely suck. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so this gives a little bit of life to that storyline where it looked like the Lannisters were heading for just a complete bad ending. And, and to be honest, even if it is a mediocre council, it won't, it in theory, won't have the the crazy mother, you know, trying yeah, to destroy exactly. it. Yeah. So this might end up just being the end of Cersei and not the the end of the, the Lannister. entire Lannister clan. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Um, Alright, so that's good. So we'll maybe we'll find out next week. I, I don't know how they're going to fit all these storylines in an hour, but they're, they're obviously going to. Uh, or an hour and 15 minutes. Well, who says they're going to resolve all of them? Yeah, exactly. That's a damn good point. Uh, now, I, there's nothing from King's Landing this week, um, which is unfortunate because uh, Eric likes watching Cersei suffer. That's uh, right. Um, so we'll see. Probably see suck the water uh, off the floor. Suck it. Suck it. <laughs> and we'll see that next week uh, um, if she even gets water for that matter. And uh, there's now I think there's only two storylines left for this episode, and both of them are pretty. Uh, awesome. Interesting, yeah, for different reasons. Um, now, one oddly, well, not oddly, but one has become more um, talked about through the internet, <laughs> I noticed. You think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the one that people uh, thought was kind of cool has also had a lot of backlash as well, but for, for different reasons, and uh, we can talk about that too. Um, so which do you guys want to talk about first? Let's uh let's let's uh let's talk about uh Stannis. Okay, yeah. so let's uh, talk about the the one and true king. <laughs> I called it. You did, Mike, you called it. Um Yeah, but Mike, did you call it that way or did you think it was gonna be a different way? I know you No, called- I I I well, I didn't know I think he was purposely vague. Yeah. No, I said I would whatever I felt Mar- Marcella was gonna go down. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, we already talked about this last week where I expected Mom to be the one to, to sacrifice her. Yeah, you, uh, mean, you mean Shireen, not Marcella. Uh, right, sorry. Yeah. I expected Shireen to go down, and that, and I kind of expected Mom to turn her in. Yeah. 
Although I did as we, and I, I, I don't remember if it was when I saw the fires or beforehand, but I remember thinking, okay, or maybe Stannis will find his hand forced because whatever, what, because of whatever that, uh, Ramsey does, which is mm-hmm. what ended up happening. Um, but I just oh. had a feeling this was going to, because somebody was going to die tonight or last night. I knew that. Well, and here's because the thing. Episode they, nine, somebody's got to go. They they put they set this up so well. Going uh, back three seasons, yeah. Well, well, to be honest, I don't know if you, if they really set it up that well. And also, I'll tell you why, Eric. Before you say why you think it was set up well, I think it was like Mike said. It was. I thought it was projected way too obvious. Uh, uh, okay. All right, but go on, Eric. Go on. That's uh, set up well. Um... <laughs> Because basically, you see it coming from a mile off, and that's part of what makes it just so horrible. Uh, it's because you're just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and you're just hoping he'll Marsh. change his mind somewhere along the way. Marsh. And he doesn't. Uh, so, uh, we have this, uh, we have this scene where, uh, Stannis sends Davos to the wall for supplies after Ramsey, uh, burns their tents down. Um, and Davos, I don't, I'm pretty sure that, uh, the witch intentionally waited for Davos to not be around anytime She's he, a she witch. was, <laughs> she is a witch. She's a fucking witch. Uh, but, uh, he, no, he got wind of something. Cause Stannis is like, Davos, go to the wall for supplies and don't take no for an answer. Um, and he's like, well, I think I should stay here. Not sure it's, the best idea. I mean, anybody could take a message. They're like, oh, they'll just say no to a message, boy. They won't say no to you. Don't take no for an answer. He's like, well, the can, one I take Shireen, can I so. take Shireen with me? No. <laughs> I want my family with and, me. And Stannis is like, no, you cannot. She stays here with me. Uh, and then we have the scene between Davos and Shireen where Davos has made her uh, a, what is that, an elk? Um, uh, no, no, uh, yeah, whatever the stag. A stag, a stag. Yeah, thank you. That's what I was looking for. A, yeah. It's a Baratheon, uh, banner, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. So he has made her a stag, and they actually have this very sweet moment, and I'm pretty damn sure that Davos knows he's saying goodbye to her at that point in time. And I, and I don't know why, it was just the, the way he delivered the line and the way it was phrased, and we said, this is just my poor way of saying thanks. Uh huh. You know, it was just, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic scene. And and you and this is uh, as I mentioned, this is the Walking Dead scene. The gee, this character is getting an awful lot of screen time tonight. <laughs> and, they, right. and they usually don't. And they <laughs> usually don't. And boy, this is awfully emotional and heartfelt. They're dead. Right. They're dead. 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 <laughs> dead. They're gonna die. Yeah. So uh, so this whole time, uh, Shireen during this episode is reading a story called The Dance of Dragons. Um, and she said a little bit of it to, to Davos when he comes to visit her. And then later, Stannis comes to visit her. Uh, and she starts telling him about the story. Uh, and, and Stannis, at this point, you can tell he still hasn't made his decision in finality. He's just kind of leaning. Uh, and then she talks him into it. Um, He's basically, he gives her this speech about choices and about how sometimes you have choices of things that you want to do and then choices of things that you have to do. Uh, and, and basically Shireen tells him, 
if there's anything I can do to help you, I want to help. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no, why did you say that? You don't know what you can do to help. Um, yeah. So we have that scene, and I think that actually, uh, in some sick way, makes it okay in his head at that moment in time. Uh, like, well, it's okay, because she wants to help me. Um, yeah. So, um, the witch burns her. Uh, she's a witch. witch. And I gotta say, uh, I got three beautiful text messages from Phil right in a row during the episode last night. The first one said, WTF. (laughs) The second one said, she's a witch. And the third one said, Stannis is a puppet. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, finally, after all the arguing, Phil has come around to see the truth. Stannis is a witch puppet, and the witch burns his fucking daughter alive. And it's a horrendous, I mean, it was really well done, uh, but because it was really well done, it's, it's just, just a soul shattering scene where this poor girl is, is screaming for somebody to help her, uh, while the entire encampment, including her mother and father, uh, watch her burn. I I think you're selling Stannis a little short here. Oh, okay. And in the, in terms of calling him a puppet. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Because saying a puppy's a puppet to me would imply that he's not being given any choices. I think Melisandre might have picked him because of who he is, but, and would allow him to do things like this, but I think it's, the decisions are fully his. Well, yeah, but she's pulling his strings. It's not like it's not like he was sitting around going, "Hey, I wonder if I burned my daughter, if that would help." Uh, no, no, it was her idea. It was her idea. She's like, "Hey, we should burn your daughter. It would help." And what did he say? He said, "Okay, burn my daughter, puppet master." He said, "No, I'll dance like your little monkey because that's what I am. I'm a puppet." No, he said, "No." The difference is that. Because he saw a way to continue as hard. It was when he ran into an obstacle. She was saying, let's do it the easy way. Use the cheat code and kill your daughter. <laughs> okay. okay. And he I said, said no, I want to beat this level fair and square. And then he used his last power up and you know he lost his tents and his horsies. And he was fucked. And then he caved in. And the reason is because it is... What we were saying all along, he is so rigid and he's so hidebound by his beliefs that he believes more than anything that he deserves to be on the on the throne, and because he deserves to be on the throne, everybody deserves to have him on the throne, <laughs> and the kingdom will be better off if he's on the throne. Mm-hmm. And if everybody's going to be better off because he's on the throne, well, the needs of the money many outweigh the needs of the one, <laughs> and therefore. He shouldn't let his personal opposition to killing his daughter stand in the way of letting everybody else be happy. Mm, okay. I'm just saying it, That's this is... That's a pretty is, sick fucking logic, but... Uh, it is, but this is also the same guy who took his most trusted advisor and chopped his fingers off because he smuggled some onions. That is true. 
But but he was smuggled this, this the onions. Is, he smuggled the onions to help other people too. That yeah. were that included Stannis. Oh boy, when we turn, we turn, Phil. Well, <laughs> I was going right after. Well, well, I don't really have and much to and say. And he's also the guy who turned against his own buggery brother. Well, you have to you have to do that because he was a he was a traitor. So <laughs> you could argue that. Um, his, his but brother I'm just had no that, no rights to the throne, and therefore he was a rebel. Right, I'm just saying that this is a guy who's shown he's willing to do what he wants to do to, to get, you know, to, 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 he's willing to do terrible things. He was willing to burn those heretics alive, uh, because it was what was necessary to get the throne. Right, this is not the, she's not the first person that he's burned. That's true. And that was something we saw in the first or second episode with him. That's true. And, uh, He's still a fucking puppet. Yeah. And I just think it was, I gotta give the, the actress tremendous credit because, uh, we didn't see anything and it's all vocal. And if you've ever seen, you know, the Spielberg War of the Worlds and Dakota Fanning and you know that a girl screaming for a long time can get irritating really quickly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and they, they just did a, Oh, it was is incredible, and oh then, my God. and her last scream, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was just so clear that she didn't stop screaming because she wasn't in pain anymore. She was she stopped screaming because uh, the fire went down her throat. Now, uh, where was Jon Snow when you needed him? <laughs> right, screw Jon Snow. Where was Ghost? He always seems to show up in the nick of time. <laughs> well, that's true, but I meant the, I meant the arrow to the heart. That's right. Oh yeah, you're like Mance. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I never thought of that. I'm I'm just waiting for the protest groups. Well, bring me all the podcasts tomorrow when they start coming out. We're gonna hear them. There, what the fuck? You know, I was gonna say, get ready for Joanna. She's she's gonna come after this one. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, poor Shireen was, uh, what's the word? Immolation. <laughs> Immolation. Yes, that is yes. the word. Yes, it is. <laughs> Boys and girls, today's word is immolation. Can you say immolation? <laughs> and the moral of the story is that Grayscale does not protect you from fire. We did no, no, that would be a nice easy out. Although, you know, let's be fair, Danny survived her fire. You know, maybe. Maybe she can well, survive. Maybe she's still alive. If she was a secret Targaryen, somehow she would have survived, but. <laughs> maybe. Um, and you know what? We, we talk a bit about decent characters on this show or the dearth of them. And really, she was a, a decent character on the show. Mm-hmm. The actress was good. She was sweet without being sickening. Right. You know, and she was, she was an adorable, sweet, nice girl. And, and we're not talking about because she was ugly. Right. You know, this wasn't one of those, oh, no, she has a nice personality thing. So no, you know, it's, <laughs> and you forget, you know, she's what, 10 years old? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So, you know, she starts out life with this <laughs> crippling disease, locked up in a, in a basically locked up in a in the tower, you know, by her own parents. That's why she likes to read. Yeah, with a very which, which seems to be me a very cold mom, and you know, as much as dad loves her, he's a little detached. Mom's, mom's crazy. Yeah, Mom, mom's like uh, uh, the best friend of that crazy chick that got thrown out of the moon door. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, close. Pretty close, yeah. 
you made some good points there about the character and so forth. Um, but what it also does, unfortunately, for this this scene, is pretty much solidifies anybody who thought there was any goodness left in the character. Or, well, I don't even want to say that because it's it's not even the same. But any route rooting for certain characters, such as Melisandre or Stannis, is pretty much out the door now. Officially, you would think. Except if you're rooting because you like them like you like Baelish or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I've heard, I saw more things on the internet that, oh, well, actually that's not true. I saw an equal amount of things on the internet about not just the death of the child, but also everybody flipping out that they just made Stannis an unlikable character. Right. And, and I think that, um, in my opinion, since I like, I used to like the, the character of Stannis, um, is disappointing and makes me no. I, now you know what I can see how some people would suddenly go, "Oh, damn fucking TV show! I hate it because <laughs> because it it took a character and it wasn't just like you know the Bob character on on Walking Dead who was there for like a season and a half and is dead, but a character that's been with us since the beginning, basically, mm-hmm. or pretty close to it. And there's a reason why Ned Stark is dead because he was trying to legitimize the the one and true king. And then we get this nonsense and, and it like throws a wrench in that whole thing. But yeah, Stannis is a scumbag. Can I, can, can, can I yeah. throw be devil's advocate? Because when everybody's yeah. on one side, I feel myself wanting to run to the other. <laughs> right. And before, before you begin, just to I'll put it in perspective, certain characters like Jamie and so forth are now liked. So. This show has been able to change despicable characters, but at this point, you know, I mean, it's it's early and it was pretty horrendous. But yeah, go on. And clearly, Mike is in favor of burning young girls. Immolation. Well, not 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 nice ones. Um, no, it's uh, well, right. Let's remember again. This is a series that started out with throwing a small child off a, off a tower. Yep. Uh, to protect and hide incest. Right. That's true. But Stannis. Wasn't cackling with glee. Wah ha ha! Now I shall be king of all I see. You know, it's he was broken up over it. He didn't. I didn't see any tears. Well, he doesn't cry. He's Stannis, for Christ's sake. Yeah, no, no man. He's cries a man. I don't cry. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I guess Stannis press, has MJ Preston level balls. Um, and so he was. He didn't want to do it. I think. He, you know that he was reluctant to do it, but now let's look at Davos. Davos talked about how his son tried to get him to read, right? Yep. What happened to Davos' son? He's dead. Why? Because he got drowned or burnt in, in the Battle of Blackwater. Right. So Davos' son has been sacrificed for Stannis to become king. Other people's sons and children are dying for Stannis to become king. Yep, that's true. So the difference so is the saying this was a show of sol- solidarity. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, no, but and in this case, they point out they've had their supplies burned, their horses killed, and they're facing a serious winter. And if you buy into the magic witch, she's a witch. She's a witch that has powers that could stave this off. You were looking at people dying of starvation. You know, they were looking at at. A serious problem for lots of people, and sacrificing his daughter saves, may have saved saves, a lot of people. 
That's true. That's true. And, and one and, little girl corpse can only get so far. That's and, and well, also, you know. <laughs> also next week's episode uh, at the end. They you know they show you know the preview, and they show Stannis and Massandra or whatever her name is saying, "Look, it's worked. We're on our way." And so it appears that it may have actually worked, meaning that their their army is back to full strength. The weather's cleared up. And they're going to hit the Boltons pretty hard. So we'll find out. Secondly, Mike, you could be right. Maybe. Well, I, I, I'm not saying I'm entirely approving here because course, it's still a little girl, and you're still setting her on fire while she's alive. <laughs> um, I like to think there might have been, even if that was the only way to do it, I'd like to think there was a better way to do it. Um, but you know, this is. I think Phil, you made it some comment or something last night referring to a completely different subplot about the nuclear option. Yes. You know? Well, yep. what if, what if like, you know, World War Two, Truman's nuclear option wasn't dropping bombs, but having a witch that he needed to sacrifice his own daughter to stop the war? <clears throat> yep, no. Nope. You know, yep. we still get people second-guessing what Truman did. You know, it would have been that much worse to sacrifice his own daughter than to, you know, blow up a few hundred thousand Japanese? No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah because yeah, killing the daughter would have saved not only American lives and British lives and so forth, but it would have saved Japanese lives. So Mike is pro girl burning immolation. No, no, no. Only if they have king's blood. <laughs> only if they have king's blood. <laughs> right. Oh. Right. So keep Mike away from your girls. Uh, well, or, or, or no, no, because then I don't have King's blood. But keep Mike away from Prince William's child. <laughs> UK, do oh, not I would just burn them because they're related to the royal family. <laughs> Mike, Mike is on the watch list now for England. He is not allowed. <laughs> Thank God we don't have a monarchy here. Charlotte, beware. So yeah. um, now, what, what else does he say about this? Um, but but this is the way you, I think Stannis can rationalize everything that he's done, right? Right. It's not, and it, it's you can, and a lot of times we do bad things because we rationalize them. So, oh no, they're really not bad things. They're kind of good if you look at it in the right way. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's fair. I mean, Mike made a made a the devil advocate argument, and um, I think it was. And worth it. now we're really uncomfortable with him. Uh, but let, let's bring up two things about this whole thing. Um, one is the rumors that Shireen, because everybody's been predicting her death for weeks, and whether it was going to be from Ramsey or whether it was going to be from the witch and Stannis. The witch! But a lot of people thought it was going to be possibly to do something with Jon Snow. Now that whole thing is thrown out the window now, too. So we don't... So anybody who thought this would have something to do with Jon Snow, forget about it. Um, the other thing is, um, well, maybe there isn't another thing. <laughs> to be honest, uh, except that she's dead. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what if the grayscale does protect you from fire? And next week we find there's just a half a face sitting in the ash <laughs> with an eye blinking out. That's horrible. Yeah. Why did you do this, Daddy? Oh, that's awful. They can carry her around in his pocket. What the fuck? <laughs> you seek help. Yeah. 
<laughs> all right, all right, all, all right. right. So um, I, I guess there's nothing else to say there about Stannis and Melisandre. He's a puppet and she's a witch. He, no, well, here's my question. Okay. What does Davos do when he comes back? <laughs> oh, oh well, I'll tell you one thing. This is this is uh, the setup. One is Brienne's going to kill Stannis now because th- this was the whole setup to get rid of Stannis by Brienne, probably because Brienne wants to kill Stannis because she believes he killed uh, whatever the guy's name is. So. Well, and she's right, by the way. Yeah, but 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 uh, yes, yeah, technically you're right. She is right. And then uh, for Davos. I have no idea what that's going to do. Um, I don't even know what his character's point is, but, except for being Stannis's toady. So, with Stannis, what, will he still... I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. Will he rebel and say, F you, this is ridiculous? Because he, he be, tried that once, and it didn't work out so well for him. Yeah, yeah. So Well, I can I, see him walking away. Yeah. Well, and I, can um, see, I, I could see Stannis arresting him for... for a dereliction of duty and execute him too. Yeah, but remember, he sent to I. You know, I'm. He sent him away because he knew he wouldn't stand for this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was pretty obvious. You know. So, I don't know. And as far as Brienne, was it Stannis who killed Renly? No, or it was Stannis' know, smoke it was baby? The, yeah. It was Stannis' smoke baby that was really made by Melisandre. That yeah. is running off his jizz. Yeah, I don't know if he knew what his jizz was going to do when he did it. Don't matter. I'm just saying I can also kind of see... I could kind of see Stannis turning Brienne maybe in the direction of the witch. Uh, Out of resentment. If he feels guilty about what he's done. Well, that would make him a puppet and a pussy. You can be both. (laughs) All right, so we'll find out what happens next week. Uh, it appears that a, a fairly big part of next week's episode will include Melisandre and Stannis in their march to Winterfell because it appears, based off of the preview, that burning little girls that have king's blood most certainly does work. Um, so let's get to the last part, I guess, right? Yep. All right. Which is, uh, dude, dude, we have our second death of the season or or the episode, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So, uh, actually, more more than one Um, of of significant characters, or more more than a dozen (laughs) of significant characters. Then, who? Oh, right. Okay, I was like, who died? See, I never considered him significant. Um, yeah, so we go to, uh, Marine, uh, where the fighting pits are opened for the first time in since Danny took over. Uh, and she's none too pleased, but she's going along with it because she kind of has to. Um, and Jorah has worked his way into the fighting pits so that he can fight for Danny because he's really just, I don't know, that whipped. Um, so, loser. so what was, um, I think it was Den of Geek referred to him as Sir Sad Sack of Friend Zone. <laughs> I like that. So the fighting begins in the pit, and um, you said pit. I did say pit. 
So the fighting starts in the pit, and uh, basically Jorah kicks some ass uh, and ends up being the last one standing, although he does take some uh, hits along the way and is bloodied up a bit. Uh, and then the last guy he takes out has a spear. Um, and so he wins the fight, and he's standing in front of Danny, and everybody's cheering, uh, but Danny doesn't seem really too pleased about it. And then there's this moment where... He grabs the spear and uh, chucks it at, you think he's throwing it at Danny, and you're like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. That would have been awesome, though. <laughs> but it turns out he's not aiming for Danny. He's aiming at the son of Harpy behind Danny that was about to do something bad to her. Uh, it hits him right in the chest and alerts the rest of her guard to the fact that there's a rebellion about to recur in the stands. Uh, everybody has whipped out their gold masks, and, these, and the sons of the harpy are popping out of the woodwork uh, to try and take out Danny. I, I gotta give credit to the, the mask designers, because those are some creepy-ass masks. They are. Especially to do it in full daylight. Well, what's... what's uh, I, no, they are pretty good masks, but... Uh, um, I read some criticism about this because we have these sons of the harpy and they're killing basically the the masters. So, in other words, the whole time that we thought it was Hezdar and his group of people, in other words, the the guy that Danny had burned and eaten by the dragons in the basement, mm-hmm. um, are innocent. They're not behind the harpies after all because mm-hmm. they're the ones that were getting killed in the arena including his daughter himself, who gets killed in there. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I don't so, know that. Well, he surely did have a few stabbed him, so... Well, so they were selling this with the like, Masters, so they were some of them. They were all, all had the good box seats. <laughs> so the Rebellion is afoot, and the Sons of Harpy are going ape shit, uh, and uh, Danny's fiance gets stabbed along the way. So who cares? The guy was a loser anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I don't understand why you thought that was such a big deal, Phil. Uh, cause really he's been a loser from the start. So, um, <laughs> oh, good. He's dead. Don't have to deal with him anymore. Um, so, uh, they try and affect their escape and Tyrion and Danny and Jorah and Dario. Jorah try- is now back on the good team. Yes, He's yes. Accepted. <laughs> uh, apparently, saving saving someone's Danny's life will buy you some cred. Um, so they're all trying to escape, uh, but they get closed into the arena. And then the new and then uh, and then and then uh, they get actually circled in the middle of the arena by all the sons of the harpy. And this was really my one issue with this episode uh, is that the sons of the harpy. Uh, outnumber them probably about 10 to 1 here. Um, but they decide to go with the old kung fu movie option, which is that instead of all rushing and just overwhelming them, they line up one at a time to nicely be killed by these superior fighters. Um, <laughs> never mind the fact that they have uh, weapons that you can throw that could have killed all of them <laughs> instantaneously. Right. right. Including so, they had knives. They, no, they had spears. Many spears. Oh, right, they, they had spears they, later. They had right, spears, okay. yeah. yeah. So, um, so that was my one issue with this. Is really they could have off the whole group of them pretty easily before 
the next part happens. Mike, um, Mike, so. what, do they, what, Mike what do they call this, Mike? This is called... Um, uh, Plot immunity? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? Lead character immunity? Uh, armor. Plot, plot, plot armor. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Right. Well, right. see, I don't... I actually take more of an issue with how they handled it the last time uh, where they came in and kicked the ass of the, the Unsullied, including Grey Worm. Okay. Where... Uh, now I don't know exactly what's going on with the Sons of the Harpy. I'm not letting go that there's that they're the masters or some of the masters behind this. It could be a, a bastard rebellion within the masters, right? But I'm just assuming these are basically a lot of moderately trained at best, you know, uh, rich people who want their slaves back. So a handful of uh, what do you call them? The Unsullied. Uh-huh. And a uh, highly trained Dario. They suck. Unsullied can't fight, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The, the, the Unsullied fight with spears, okay? She has, to, she has to return them. And when and when that whole fight happened previously, they were ambushed in an alley where they can't maneuver with the spears, and that's why it went so badly for right, them. Right, so I, I don't mind them being held at bay, because I'm also assuming that they're they're hiding behind masks. I don't think any of them is in a rush to die. Sure. So, yeah, it's easy to say, well, they should rush them. Yeah, but these aren't trained troops that are willing to lay down their lives for their fellow slave owner. I suppose, but still, it was awfully convenient. Now, that doesn't explain why they can't throw a damn spear. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, so, they, have, they have no problem throwing the spear at, at the nuclear yes. option when it exactly. But they, Well, that's they, also a much easier target to hit. Yeah, yeah but, so let's but, get there. Uh, so Danny... Uh, there's a moment where they're all surrounded and Danny closed her eyes and apparently communicates with Drogon. Well, Eric, I have to say that I thought she was closing her eyes because she thought she was dead and she was just waiting for death. So I, I thought that was the, the call. That's how it came off to me. Okay. So she was like, help me, Obi-Wan. And this is Dragon was like, hope. I hear you call, mother. Uh, and Drogon shows up to save her ass. Um... So, Drogon shows up and saves her ass. Uh, comes down, stops on a couple dudes, burns a bunch of other ones. It's fucking awesome. Uh, and then starts taking bites some... Bites a guy sp- in half. <laughs> yeah, bites a guy in a half. Not neatly, either. He has to kind of shake him apart. Right, uh, and flings the parts across the, the arena. And And really, if I were one of the Sons of Harpy, that would have been enough to send me running at that point. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, bye. Uh, but yeah, so Drogon roasts some people, uh, but starts taking some spears. Um, and Danny and Drogon have a little, oh, I missed you moment, uh, right before he takes yet another spear. Uh, and Danny's like, well, shit, if we stay here, uh, the dragon's gonna die. I'm gonna die. Uh, so she climbs on the dragon and they fly away. Yeah, goodbye, and, you know, hey, too bad for you the rest of you. Fuck you. <laughs> well, and Phil, you're absolutely right. And, uh, what, yeah, I want to talk about this a little bit because this is, uh, significantly different than the book. I heard there's no rebellion in the book. Yes, that is true. There is no rebellion in the book. Uh, there is an attempt on Danny's life in the book. Somebody tries to poison her. Um, but there's a character who's not in the TV show, 
that like eats the poison stuff that she was supposed to get. Uh, but because he's so big, it really just kind of makes him feel ill. Uh, and he doesn't die. <laughs> he just gets sick and she's fine. Um, but what happens in the book, cause this, this scene, the way you said, it, uh, she's just like, fuck you, see how you're going to die. Um, it really does make her look like an asshole. Whereas in the book, she's kind of trying to redeem herself because what happens is that she's not in mortal danger. Drogon, she doesn't call Drogon. Drogon just shows up. Because remember, Drogon's been MIA, right? He's out in the countryside roasting children or whatever. Um, (laughs) Immolation. Immolation, that's correct. Um, so, So he's been out of the picture for a while. Uh, and they don't know where the hell he's been or what he's doing. Probably nothing good. Uh, and he just kind of shows up at the fighting pit and starts slaughtering people. Um, starts burning the crowd, starts eating people. Uh, and Danny runs down into the pit, uh, to try and calm him down. Um, and really ends up climbing on top of him to try and control him. And then he, he flies away with her on his back. Um, so it, re- it really has quite a different tone in the book. Uh, and I think her motives are more solid in the book as, as far as trying to stop the dragon from killing innocent people, uh, rather than the dragon saving her ass and her being like, see you later. <laughs> and, and I can't imagine it's easy to hang on to the dragon. Uh, I don't know. There might be some folds in the skin there. Uh, uh, maybe. Or she has thighs of steel. Maybe those, well, those exercises you know. with Cal Drogo paid off. <laughs> <laughs> those, those horse riding muscles. Yeah. yeah. But, see, I, I gotta be... I, I first thought that she, she kind of called Drogon. That's the okay. impression but, I thought they were trying to convey. Yeah, see, I didn't get that. But, but I, that was I my first. On second viewing, she seems surprised that he's there, and she, they show her like reaching out and touching uh, girlfriend, whatever her name is. True, true. And holding her hand. So I think she was pretty much saying, "I'm done. All right, I'm going down." I think, and I, I, I see where you get the summoning thing from, and then maybe there is a connection between them. Maybe he's he sensed mommy was in danger, right? Um, but I don't know that she was actively like you know summoning. Well, I don't think she actively summoned him. I don't think like she was like Godzilla cartoon. Yeah, maybe I characterized that unfairly. Um, I think it was more. I, I I do think that she summoned the dragon, uh, but it probably wasn't a, an active. Hey, dragon, come to me. It was more like, oh, I'm going to die. The dragon felt it. And I prefer, uh, assuming you're conveying what happened in the books effectively, and I'm understanding uh-huh. it effectively, correctly, I kind of prefer this take to it because this moves or should move the plot and ca- Danny's character much further down the field. Well, there's also a bunch of shit happening in the books that ain't happening here. Uh, I mean, her, her character is really far south of where she is right now in the books, uh, because basically what happens is in the, in the city she was in previously, uh, because she basically just conquered it and then left it behind, uh, there's basically no infrastructure in place and this plague breaks out. 
Uh, and so now the people who are her infested with the plague really just want her dead. Uh, and so there's an army outside the city who wants to kill her because she started this plague. Uh, and then there's also the sons of the harpy inside the city, which don't like her. Uh, and then the dragon starts up and starts wreaking chaos. So it's just like everything Danny has tried to accomplish has gone to shit. Uh, and then the dragon takes her away. And did she uh, start the plague in the, in the book or is it just they think she did? I mean, the plague starts because of circumstances due to the fact that she doesn't really know what she's doing. Gotcha. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the Danny I like, the one that everybody hates. <laughs> right. Good, good. So, um, so yeah, when I, I, I first watched this second half of the show, uh, even though I was in a horrible frame due to my loss of Your hero falling. Yeah, my yes. fa- hero falling. Um, it was pretty She's cool. A witch! And a puppet. And uh, it was pretty c- cool, this scene, but when I started re-looking at it and, and reading what other people or critics and so forth said about it, I could see all the flaws. And I actually even said that to you in the middle of the episode. I think I text you. I go, why don't they throw a spear at her? <laughs> right. <laughs> because I was like, what the hell? You said, oh, I didn't know Mike wrote, you said exactly what you said on the show, Mike, which is, oh, they were smaller than the dragon. Right. Um well, she was a tiny person surrounded by big, strong men. I don't know why they couldn't throw the spears at the big, strong men first. Right, right. right. You know, like right. you've never played Breakout. You have to peel the layers away. <laughs> but but they do. I mean, come on. It, it was a, a Colosseum. They, they had good angles. You know, if you were up high, you could have you know, got you're, a- you're right, Phil. It was a complete convenience. Uh, really, uh, she should have been dead. And the only reason she isn't is because they need her later in the story. I was I was hoping Jorah was going to throw the spear through a killer, and then all the people would consider him a liberator because they got rid of the evil queen. I got to tell you, the moment he uh, he drew back with his arm with that spear, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Because <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen next. <laughs> that was well done. Yes, yes. I see. I you can retroactively kind of nitpick it. I I thought it was a thrilling scene when you were in it, and uh, I became a kick-ass scene as soon as Drogon showed up. But it was yep. really, because I'm sitting there going, and here comes Drogon. And here comes Drogon. <laughs> and where the fuck is Drogon? How about Ghost? He usually shows up about now. Where the fuck is Drogon? And then finally he shows up. Um, but yeah, and given that this is an ep- uh, episode 9, given that Jorah's dying of grayscale, yeah. I was waiting for somebody, and they, they killed off the fiance yep. yeah. or husband. We don't whether I don't know if they ever got married or not. Yeah, um, which tells you how important that storyline was. <laughs> right. uh, but yet, Phil was surprised he died. I was kind of surprised he died too, because he has been around since middle of last season. Uh, right. It was that all. He's right. a tool. Well, good but, riddance. But, but to be honest, I well, I know you didn't like him, Mark. But I mean, he wasn't really that despicable of a character. No, but he's a doofus. I'm surprised he didn't die tripping on his own shoelaces earlier in the season. Right. Well, that was another thing that upset me about this episode was is they made him become like a despicable character because of his conversations before his death because he's right. he sounded like a jackass, like you said. But it was out of character with everything he in every way he acted prior. In all, you know, from like you said, Mike, uh, last season. 
he seemed like the, a wise person to try to work with and whatever. And then they make him an asshole. And you know, well, I don't five. think they made him an asshole. They made him a sports fan. <laughs> Some would say the two are the same thing. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is like, you know, this is his thing, right? This is his leisure time. Mm-hmm. He likes the fighting pits. And let's remember the look at that crowd. There were an awful lot of uh what I'm assuming are former slaves in that crowd. Yep. yep. Cheering it on. So that this is something that's you know, like bull running, right? It's popular in the culture. They yep. like it. Right. It's hard to criticize. I don't like it, it's not my thing. But if everybody was there of their their own free volition, then well what the hell are you gonna complain about? But, you know, he, he just showed off that, you know, when they do the, oh, bet on the small man, you'll, you'll get him where he's not muscled and all this other, and then, and then you just, you know, casually in the background, you see his head lopped off. Right. That was kind of um, cool. Yeah, it was neat. And so I didn't mind him. He was not a great fit for Danny, you know, and I don't, don't know, and I still don't know where he was with the Sons of the Harpy. Because right. he did say, you know, he was he was away. He was he was taking care of things, which is classic sign for I was just away betraying you. Right. Or, or, or it was a classic sign for misdirect the audience. Yeah, well, it could be, good. and we still don't know really what's going on with the Sons of Harpy and who's behind them. And you know, and I'll be curious to see where they where they go with this, right? Because well, I and I I am completely confused at this point because I got I got no idea where they're headed with this whole thing. I've got no idea what the fuck is going to happen to Tyrion and Jorah because, like I said, that's not the way it's set up in the book. Uh, so what happens from here on out there? A complete mystery to me. I'll be just as interested to see it as you. Did you see the um the preview where we saw uh, Danny fall and to her death from the dragon? No. Yeah, she falls and she died. Well, okay. And she, and she hits Stannis on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a funny joke. I'm going to laugh. <laughs> um, by the way, Mike, speaking of sports fans, uh, Ponce has not been drafted yet. Okay. That's a shame. Yes. Yeah, I, I, like we see what happened when the Sons of the Harpy took out Grey Worm and um, Barris and Selmy. Great How the hell is she going to respond? She threw him a bone by marrying or getting engaged to one mm-hmm. of theirs, right. by bringing back the fighting pits, and they made a personal attack on her, and they gave her dragon boo-boos. Yeah. And and they killed her fiancé. And they killed her fiancé, who we really still have to find that. out whether or not he's involved, and I do hope one way or another they clear that up for us. Right. I don't care. Um, I'm not going to say I'll hate the show case. forever if they don't, but I would appreciate it if they would. <laughs> Love Eric. I don't care. Who cares? I don't care about that character. Let's talk about real characters. But yeah, right. she, she may just go completely, pardon the expression, draconian on them now. <laughs> um, or maybe she just says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done with you people. I tried. But yeah, she shouldn't, she shouldn't even be there. I mean, get out. It's like, yeah, I would say, you know what? F you. Forget about it. I'm out of here. Well, and that's what she did. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll, I'll, let's, let's see what happens. And by the way, can I just say some of the shittiest bodyguards ever? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole the whole scene, oh. to be honest, even if it was exciting as you said, Mike, retroactively looking at it, it really wasn't as well done as they could have because it can be nitpicked pretty bad. No, yeah, but uh, Drogon fucking rules, and that's all I care about. 
Uh, I think they they named. Uh, um, I want I there to be a spinoff. There needs to be a spinoff series called Drogon Roast People, and I want to watch that series. Eric, you, I think you need some help, just like Mike now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to watch for a Jurassic Park discussion. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, Mike, I'm worried about you saying, "Oh, that was awesome." They ate everybody. I, the only reason <laughs> people go to the problem. No, but this is this is Mike. The only reason these movies are any good is because you want to see dinosaurs eat people. If you give me that, yes. that's all we yes. need. <laughs> yes, I agree. And uh, the reason dragons are awesome is because they roast people and yeah. eat them and tear them apart and fly them in the air and drop them on rocks. They could do all sorts of things with them. So really, it's kind of uh it would make sense if actually the witch ends up teaming up with Danny because they're both into roasting things. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious. Uh, I don't know what the fate is of Terry Andrew and Daenerys and Miss Melisandre or whatever her name is and Melisandre um, because it they were still in theory in the middle of the battle. But I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, I have an idea of uh, what might be coming with Jon Snow. Um, I don't know where the whole Marine storyline is going from here. I don't know where the Stannis storyline is going from here. I don't know where the Winterfell storyline is going over here. Because all of those have differed greatly from what was in the book. Uh, so... Really, uh, Jon Snow and King's Landing are the only places where I have a clue at this point. Right. I still think Stannis ends up at the, on the throne at some point just With because a of the sword prophecy. right up his ass, hopefully. Well, it could be. But, but, but what happens if Mike was right? And by burning his daughter, it saved millions of other lives. He's still a shithead. Because he burned his daughter alive. Well, like, and that's where you get to, does the end justify the means? It doesn't matter. He's a shithead. He burned his daughter alive. Well, he didn't. But but technically, we... <laughs> that's true. He, he and, and technically, you're talking... Oh, about, my God. I can't believe you guys are defending Stannis. What the uh, fuck uh, is wrong with you? Eric, Eric, technically, you're thinking in real-world terms. We're talking about Game of Thrones terms, where you can have... All these horrible oh, so things. you're gonna throw that at me, are you? <laughs> well, I always get it thrown at me. <laughs> I have to turn it around on somebody, and you're, you're a perfect one to do it on right now. <laughs> Fair enough. I had that one coming. Well, look, there, we have we all have limits at some point, theoretically, and generally speaking, daughter burning alive is is on that list. I mean. Certainly before she's a teenager. Actually, I, I thought, Mike, you, you wanted all children burned in anyway. So. Well, not the good ones. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Now, look, she's a girl. At some point, she was going to be a teenager, and then she would have been probably a bitch from hell. And then, <laughs> well, yeah, because it's Game of Thrones, she would have gotten raped anyway, so. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's why the feminists aren't complaining. <laughs> they saved her from being raped. And, and then and then and then she'll she'll eventually be flayed as well, right? Uh, <laughs> question is whether it'll rape her before or after she's flayed. That's terrible. Well, it's a, it's a terrible world. It is. Uh, all right, so um, <laughs> the moral of the story is nothing good happens to anybody in this world. <laughs> right, right. That's true. Uh, uh, 
So, uh, I guess that we could probably just wrap it up. Wrap it up. Uh, because most of it is now trying to predict next week's episode. We probably just want to wait and see what happens. Right. Um, so do you guys, um, what do you think this stands in the, f- the first nine episodes? Obviously, episode eight is probably the best and was probably one of the best of the whole series, never mind of season five. But uh, besides episode eight, where would you put this? Uh, second best of the season. Okay. Um, well, you might. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this was... <sighs> the last episode had one unbelievable scene. One very long, unbelievable scene. This, I thought, had two two great scenes in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Two great beats. That's uh, still so much better. So it was so well done in the last episode. That this tried its best. It didn't top it. But it was still pretty damn good. Um... Well, here's the thing, so, though. Yeah. It's a, this is the episode nine is the second best episode of the season. Season eight is the best episode of the season. However, season five, episode eight is in the conversation for best episode of the entire series. Yeah. Whereas episode nine is not in that conversation. Not even close. Not even top five. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't think red wedding, that. purple wedding. A Blackwater wall fight. There you go. Uh, episode eight this season. There's five. Well, better, better than everything nine. that's transpired on Game of Thrones, and you think about all the disturbing stuff we've seen. You have Stannis, uh, not Stannis. You have um, Sansa getting getting assaulted. You had Theon getting his penis cut off. You had Ned Stark being beheaded. You had the Red Wedding. You had Hot Pie's wolf bread thing. And for me, this might have been the the scene that I had that I found the most chilling and the hardest one to watch. It was brutal, that's for sure. That's why watching episode six wasn't as bad. After <laughs> I would say that I thought episode three was better than this one for sure, too. Um, and the, which was the refresh high, my memory. What was season three? Uh, episode, episode three. three. Uh, that was the High Sparrow episode, and. Uh, uh, Jorah Slint gets his head chopped off by Jon Snow, and Snow kind of breaks mm. out as a character, I think. I thought that was pretty... Uh, like, I was like, no friggin' way. That was a good episode, but I think 9 was better. Yeah, I'm going to take a dragon beheading, uh, eating people over the bed. I like the beheading, don't get me wrong. Well, I, um, I, I, st- I still think that the two dragons in the in the prison cell eating the guy was better than this. any killings in this one. Well, nah, I disagree, but uh, you know, okay. that's why we have that's why we we have different points of view. Yeah, I guess so, Mike. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but I, look, I don't think there's a whole lot in this season that really competes with it because there's been a lot of weak sauce to get to this point. Um, we'll talk about that more. I imagine when we wrap the season up. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I've got some thoughts and I just want to see if they, they, they materialize before speaking on it. Uh, but yeah, but, it's, um, yeah, so let's, let me announce that right now. Um, even though there's, we're, we have only one more episode of the season, we are not, not going to end there. We're going to do, uh, another episode after that. Um, so that will be our thoughts on this season's, the, the whole season, the positives and the negatives, as well as, 
um, things that we think will happen in season six. So uh, don't stop listening to us after next week's episode because we'll have at least one more after that. Um, oh, and uh, this episode nine is is actually uh, pretty close to my heart because it did get Phil to send me text message that says WTF. She's a witch. Stannis is a puppet. I'm gonna save those forever. Yes, yes. That, I was, I was crushed this episode. That's another reason why I hate this episode. I think it's the worst <laughs> of all is because my, my hero got crushed in this episode. That's right. Did something that appears terrible. Terrible. Yes. terrible. Yeah, for, for those who haven't heard Phil's comments on, say, game on uh, War, The Walking Dead, Phil has a habit of picking characters to love and to cherish only to watch them torn out of his heart <laughs> and smashed yes. on the rocks in the most brutal way possible and make him cry and declare this is the worst show ever because he <laughs> which basically means that next episode Drogon is going to rape Sansa <laughs> oh, that's terrible don't even say that dragon rape well you know they gotta, they, they gotta go somewhere they gotta take it to the next level yeah, yeah. What what more can they do to offend somebody? Right. Yeah, I guess that's it. We'll see you next week. That's the big episode, and then unfortunately we'll have to wait a whole year. <sighs> yeah, I hate that part. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah, but Eric, but, let me ask you this: since you've read the books, that should seem like a rather short wait. Yeah, you're right, relatively. And Eric, usually. And I, I used to do this too until I started actually last season not to do it. But um, you usually wait. And then binge them all in, at like one weekend. Yeah, that's the way I prefer to do it. The only reason I'm doing this is because the podcast. But you know what? Isn't this like NFL Sunday? So <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So every Sunday, da, 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 like, da, da, da. exactly. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, but it only lasts ten weeks. Yes, that's true. And they don't have a Super Bowl after, right? Yeah, Tom Brady wins because <laughs> he cheats. All right, that's enough. Okay. You started it. I did. Deflated balls. <laughs> Deflated balls. Alright, so, uh, I guess we can wrap it up. So, uh, oh, Mike, uh, what do you like people to do for, like, reviews and so forth? Oh, yeah, if you would like, or, you know, if you want to take kindness on us, or pity, pity works too, please go to the iTunes store or to, uh, Stitcher or whatever podcasting service you're using to listen to us and if you can please rate us and review us good bad indifferent doesn't matter although good is preferable uh you'll help elevate us a bit get us a little bit more attention and further our plans to take over the same seven kingdoms <laughs> and, and mike what do you like listeners to do after they listen to the episodes yeah send it uh, you're talking about the feedback not that other thing right the yeah, so <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to, but I'll go you with the know why, But that was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about sending us an email at darkdiscussions.aol.com? Or? Yeah, that's right, darkdiscussions.aol.com. Yes, darkdiscussions.aol. Okay, so you can send us an email or you can send us a voicemail. You can send us uh, nude pictures, whatever you'd like, uh, and give it, and let us know what you think of the podcast. And, you know, how maybe we should be a little less organized and, uh, <laughs> more, more meandering. And, and, uh, they can go to the Facebook group. Uh, but again, you can send that information to, uh, darkdiscussions at aol.com. Direct them to Phil, because 
he catches all the shit. Yes. Um, all blame goes to Phil. And 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 also don't forget the Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group where uh, there's a lot of talk about this past episode um, in the past couple of days. As a That's fact. true. Yeah. All right. So with that stated, Eric, why don't you leave us home? All right. Thanks for tuning in to us talk about episode nine of season five. I'll come back for season five, episode ten next week. And remember, WTF? She's a witch. Stannis is a puppet. Yeah.